Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I was going to talk about gopher basketball here, but uh, so there's this series that's on stars now, just started with my one of my favorite actors, J.K. Simmons. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's called Counterpart. And it's, uh, it's not going to be for me because it's about an alternate universe. There's two J.K. Simmons. There's a, so basically in this Counterpart, we live in a world that there's another one of us on the other side. Okay. They don't tell us. And we end up married to the same people that we're married to on this side, but our lives become different. Okay. I'm not sure what uh, we're trying to accomplish here, but uh, the one J.K. Simmons lives this very boring life, and the okay. other guy's kind of a dashing guy who comes over to the other side to try to track down an escaped woman who's an assassin who was sent from the other side to kill some people on, uh, including J.K. Simmons's wife. Wow. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's very com- convoluted. But at the end of the first episode, they play this tune, which I want you to find. And you've heard about it. You've heard it. Dark Side of the Street. Dark Side of the Street. By James Carr was the original, and then Percy Sledge did it, and all kinds of them did it. Uh, so the Gopher basketball team, who I predicted to win, and I know that'll shock people that they did not. <laughs> I felt very confident at halftime. What happened? Pretty good. Second half, they go out, they get tired, I guess. They were run out of steam, and uh, the Wildcats were down you know, 10 points in the first half, and they got the the Gophers were still doing okay in the second half. And then North they let Northwestern shoot about 55% in the second half, and they end up 77-69. They lose again. Six losses in seven games. Uh, and they announced a crowd of only 11,302. So what the Gophers have done with this slump, they have regained the lack of interest that they had started to lose. I mean, they were they they were packing the place there for yeah. about two three games, and then uh, now people are saying, "Ah, the hell with it." Three and seven. Uh, I thought we wore down. Richard Patino said they they're all giving everything. We just got to be smarter. We've got to be able to rely on when we're tired to go get that stop. I just thought we wore down in the second half. Only six minutes for Jelly Bean. Uh, Isaiah Washington, uh, six minutes he played, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of astounding that uh, they're phasing him out. He only played a couple of minutes in Madison Square Garden against Ohio State. What a right? letdown that's been. 
I have a hot take. Oh, oh, hold on. Okay. And there, there are no sources. There are no, I have not spoken to anybody on this at all whatsoever. I am ready. I think Isaiah Washington's going to transfer. Patrick, I'm a hundred percent agree with you because he I is, think he's going to transfer. He's going to go That's back a and hyping hot sports. Take. He's going to go back and play at Manhattan or some other school in the city where he can go be Jelly Jam again. Yeah, the coach is just going to give him the ball and say, "Do whatever you want." Name. Yeah, <laughs> he can go be Jelly again and do anything he wants to do. But if you look up the scouting reports on him. The knock was he couldn't shoot, and he can't shoot. No, he cannot. Cannot shoot. He can. It's, he's got the wheels, though. He's quick. He does, but he can't shoot. But he can't shoot. And that that the, the decision making has got to get better. And I know he's just a freshman, but we've seen freshmen but make. Is it is it to the point that uh, Patino's trying to run him off? I don't think he's trying to run him off, and, but he's it, got some, it he is. Got a, maybe he's got a DeAndro Matthew out there that he wants to bring in out of the junior college or something yeah, to play maybe. Are we 100% certain? I know I've asked this before. Are we all that certain that Richard's not in trouble here? I don't think he's in trouble, but he is now. I, I added it His up record is awful. He's 30 and 52 in the Big Ten in the regular season. And I got news for him. They ain't winning that many more games in conference play, even with Amir Coffey back. That's a game last night when he comes back. They need to beat Northwestern on your home court. Yeah, You no. sat and complained the entire week that you lost a home game. Well, great. Look what happened when you got one. Yeah, it's uh, – it, I, I don't know if he – I don't think he's in trouble. I think he's in more trouble – over the Reggie Lynch situation well, than yeah. he is uh, over wins and losses because he just gave him another extension and he does have the three recruit. They're gonna, they're gonna probably they're not done recruiting. They got the three Minnesota kids coming in and that would have put them at the max. But they're gonna run a couple of guys off here and get some more players. For, what, what was that in, in big a late ten? signing period? What was that Thirty big and fifty-two. Tubby in six years was forty-six and sixty-two in the Big Ten. Yep. But Tubby, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying Tubby inherited a much worse situation. Yeah, but what is a fact of the matter is, since the scandal in '99, Gopher basketball has basically stunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yep. I mean it's almost been as inept as football. Yes, you they've, they've they been yeah they've really, been parallel programs. You're right. Yes, yeah, it's and. Uh, once in a while, you'll have a year where they do okay. Yeah, and you're like, were, oh, last yeah, year they were, last year but, it was good. It was but, good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. For the most part, they've they've not been good. And uh, all right. <laughs> well, I'll say this. You know that we don't have mine anymore here. <laughs> But we ripped them when they were here. So that is right. We stay consistent. <laughs> yes, we do. Yep. Now, last year we were on board. Absolutely. Fine, but when they were two and sixteen and got swept by the South Dakota schools, we were a little. And, critical. You know, I don't see uh, certain people with this radio station or freezing cold takes bringing up old Patino tweets of mine or yours or anything no, like that. No, this I haven't year. heard that lately. It's been pretty quiet that on that front. Okay. All righty. Well, they lose again, three and seven, and they got a week off before they get to play the lowly. Iowa Hawkeyes, Oof. who are terrible. Uh, but meanwhile, the women's basketball team is going to go to the NCAA tournament, and Marlene's going to save her job. So that's the way that goes. We'll be back. Talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. You play to win the game. Hello. It's former player and coach turned ESPN NFL analyst Herm Edwards. 
Herm Edwards is with us. Herm, we got our snowstorm out of the way up here Monday, so we should be good for the Super Bowl. We got our foot of snow Monday. Uh, we should have that cleaned up by the time our Super Bowl guests arrive. <laughs> well, you might have the snow out the way, but it might be a little chilly on them. But um, obviously, Minneapolis is built um, to uh, accommodate all the fans that will come up there. It's a shame, obviously, that uh, that the fairy tale story didn't didn't end the right way. But um, I think. Uh, Minnesota and, and, and uh, the Tri-Cities will, will be an excellent host for the Super Bowl. Now, as a former Eagle, uh, you couldn't mm-hmm. have uh, minded this that much, but uh, how shocked were you the way they took it to this Viking defense? I, I really was. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be one of those games where it's going to be played very tightly up to the fourth quarter where I thought the kicking game was going to be critical, and I thought whatever defense played well in the red zone would win the game. But um, obviously um, – you know, Nick Foles played well, and got to give him a lot of credit. And I don't know if, if the Vikings, after the big win and how they won, uh, obviously against the Saints, took a lot of energy away from them. That was an emotional win for them and the city, obviously. And then going into Philadelphia, you know, this is a group that every week seems like they were an underdog. They won 13 games, and they were an underdog coming into the playoffs. So one of those things where they got hot, and, and obviously now they're going to the Super Bowl. Hey, Herm, did you think that uh, perhaps the Eagles were much more aggressive than the Vikings thought they were going to be? I certainly thought the Vikings, were, I mean, the Eagles were going to try to play it like they did against the Falcons, you know, but very conservative. No. And instead, they came out winging it all over the place. 10 out of 14 on third downs. Amazing. Yeah, it really was. And as I said, you know, I, I don't know if the emotion of the win at home. And, and then again, remember, now this was Drew Brees, though. Drew Brees you know, had a pretty good day in the second half against these guys. But that was Drew Brees. And no one anticipated uh, Nick Foles would come out and have the same type of game or really had a nice game throwing the football. Yeah, and they got a little running out of that Jaya. We yeah. could, a lot of people couldn't figure out why they went and got him. He's a pretty good runner. And they did not, first time all year, the Vikings didn't cover the tight end either. They couldn't contain Hurts. Yeah, no, and, and you know, and he's a good player, and, 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 you know, they made some big plays in the passing game, and, and that's generally not Minnesota's forte defensively to give up big explosion plays like that, but uh, you got to give those guys a lot of credit. They played well. Obviously, they're going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and it's my former team, and Hopefully we'll win one. <laughs> That's kind some, of important now. <laughs> some of our fans uh, arrived wearing their purple garb and their uh, helm, uh, their helga, their big horn helmets and everything, and that proved to be a little bit of a mistake in the parking lot in Philadelphia. <laughs> they were they were not treated as uh, kindly. kindly. <laughs> they were not treated kindly. They were a little shocked by what they faced. Yeah, that, that that that's a rough group out there. That, that, that silly group. Now I know I played there a long time, you know, and and um, you know if it's a late game, they can get a little rowdy. On yeah, late, well, you know that, yeah, I always told people I was there for a nine ten p.m. kickoff against the Cowboys one Monday night, and uh, yeah, wow, was that something yeah. in that parking lot? So yeah, it's really something, and they're passionate, and obviously. Uh, you know, they got the country really on their side right now, you know, pulling for them, and um, it'll be interesting. They're playing against Captain America, and the country is pulling for the Eagles, and, and Captain America is trying to beat the Father Time. Say, hey, uh, Herm, uh, you uh, spent all those years at ESPN, and during your time there, 
You saw the fondness we developed for lists in the sports media. We love our yeah. lists, right? Lists of everything. Yes. Uh, the list in 2016 was that the Eagles had made the worst hire of all the new NFL coaches. The best hire was Ben McAdoo. The second best hire was Chip Kelly going to San Francisco. And the worst hire was Doug Peterson because he was just going to be a yes man for management. Sometimes those lists are not based on uh, reality, I don't think. No, they're not. And, you know, I visited with Doug this, this summer, uh, played up in Tahoe with him, American Century. And he was excited about his football team. He really was. And, you know, he's got an excellent defensive coordinator in Coach Swartz, who's done a fabulous job with the defense. Uh, Frank Reich, uh, the quarterback coach, uh, an offensive guy. So he's got a lot of good coaches on the staff. And I just think that what they were were able to accomplish, like Minnesota, when your number one quarterback goes down and you still find a way to win 13 games and you win your division, as well as Minnesota. They had a fabulous season. You know, their quarterback went down as well. So you got to give, uh, obviously, Coach, Coach Peterson a lot of credit, as well as Coach Zimmer. He does. I like his demeanor on the sideline. He looks like he's uh, thinking about the next play at all the time and very creative stuff. Uh, he really comes off as a guy made to be a head coach. Yeah, you know, and it was great for him, too, because he has, he has a, a great uh, feel for the quarterback because, obviously, he played quarterback. You know, he was the guy early in his career started, and then Donovan Nett took over for him. He was kind of the guy that was getting ready to, 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 to give it to Donovan. But uh, he studied a lot of football, and I think, you know, his first year or so, he's, he's, he's learned how to be a head coach, but I think he has full control of, of, of who he is, his personality, and, and his team really respects how he coaches. Uh, meanwhile, in the other game, we once again learned the lesson, don't try to sit on a lead against the Patriots. You better keep no. trying to score. No, you're right. And we see this, and this is what makes him probably the greatest quarterback ever played. You know, it, it, we can him all around it. But what this guy's been able to accomplish, he's 40 years old. I mean, uh, and that's not old by any stretch of imagination, but in sports we, we consider that old. And I've said this the last couple of years, you know, he, he is fighting history and father time, and he is battling it, and, and he's, he's winning. He's winning because of what he's been able to do and accomplish. The more he does, every year we just shake our head with amazement. You know, he plays the game where his hands got stitches in it, and, you know, all of a sudden early in the game, it's like they're struggling on offense, and you knew it. As soon as the fourth quarter showed up, he went and got his shield and says, well, Captain America, I'm coming to the rest of <laughs> Here we go. And they've done this, the Patriots and Brady and Belichick, in a league where – this year, there's eight new playoff teams out of 12. Yeah. Eight new Four playoff teams. teams. How can yeah. you be a dynasty in this era of football? It's incredible. It really is. And, you know, they're both first battle Hall of Famers. I mean, Coach Belichick, I mean, if they win this one, just imagine if just, they, they win this one. I mean, he's going to be considered one of the greatest coaches ever coached. And a quarterback, obviously, is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played. Well, you know, people like to talk about Vince, and God love Vince. It was a 12-team yeah. league back then when he was winning yeah. his championships and putting them together, and then he won two Super Bowls. there was no Bowls. free agency. There was no free agency, right? No. I mean, it was still, you kept your teams. I mean, now it's free agency, and some things change uh, in New England, but two things stay constant, or three things, ownership, head coach, and quarterback. Uh, that uh, Jacksonville uh, team, uh, that's, uh, I'd like to have their future, though, if they don't mess it up. Man, are they fast on defense. Whew. They really are. They're fun to watch. I mean, they are really, really a fabulous football team. And 
And I just think that that thing will continue to build. And, you know, Bortles, you know, Bortles for the most part, you know, that's a tough, a tough thing for him to do. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that has to go on the road and, 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 and beat Big Ben and then turn around and go and, and try to beat Captain America. That, that That's tough for, for any quarterback. But he uh, he actually played terrific the first half, and yeah. then they kind of didn't let him try to make any plays the second half. They yeah. uh, tried yeah. to run the ball with Fournette, which isn't a bad idea, but New England knew what they were trying to do. That was kind of a bad loss, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's amazing, though. You know, it's, it's going to be a Super Bowl, obviously. These guys have played against each other before. Well, I would say the teams have 2004. And so Philly's been there three times. This will be their third time. You know, we went to Super Bowl 15, and then they went in 2004, and now they got a third shot at it. Look, am, am I a little biased? Yeah. Uh, do I want the Eagles to win? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Herm, how about, how about this for a stat? Brady has been favored in 50 straight games that he started as quarterback. Yeah, and you know what else I heard, too? 50 straight games they've been favored when he played. How about this? And I've heard, like, what, uh, 12 out of the 13 teams that have won Super Bowls wear the white jersey? They're oh, wearing the white really? jersey. Yeah. Well, the other thing is the, the other great stat on the AFC is uh, since Brady's first Super Bowl, there have been four quarterbacks to play for the AFC team. Manning, yeah. Roethlisberger, Brady, and then Flacco played one. That's exactly the same. Right. The same quarterbacks have been to the represented the AFC here for sixteen years or whatever it is. That's exactly right, and that's what I tell, what I tell people every year. I said if those keep, if those guys quarterbacks keep coming back, they're always the ones that are in the Super Bowl. The AFC, it's unbelievable. All right, hey, the uh, Senior Bowl going on in the past. Before your new job, you used to be there all the time. How important is the Senior Bowl to the NFL draft? Well, it is, and it, it, it's a way to evaluate some players on the same uh, playing field now. And, uh, you know, one thing it doesn't do, it doesn't hurt you. And I think a lot of players go in there thinking, it's going to hurt me if I don't perform well. No, it's not. But I think what it does is put you on a level playing field, and, and they get to watch you practice. And, you know, offenses are always going to struggle a little bit because they play with the ball and the receivers aren't used to the quarterbacks. But I just think the competition during the week can really elevate a lot of players. Well, uh, it's uh, it, it's they certainly uh, get the, get all the good ones down there. Herm, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week before the Super Bowl. Okay, partner. Thank you. All right, the great Herm Edwards, Arizona State's football coach, out recruiting, but still taking care of us here at fifteen hundred ESPN. Uh, next week, that'll be the end for Herm, and we'll have to give him a big send-off. I don't know what we'll do, but uh, I think I'll cry. That's what I'll do. I I'm think. definitely going to cry. I'm going to cry. We don't, you don't get the greeting from Coach Herm here. You don't get Coach Herm That's here. That's right. Uh, greeting anymore. Anyway, Herm Edwards, uh, thanks for joining us once again this week. And meantime, the uh, final votes in for the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame 2008 inductions. Uh, four guys go in. Chipper Jones, first year. Uh, he was a cinch. Jim Tomey, he was a cinch his first year. Vlad Guerrero makes it, and so does Trevor Hoffman. Edgar Martinez uh, missed uh, by only four percentage points, and he's nearing the end of his time on the ballot. And Johan Santana did not get the required five percent to stay on the ballot. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, first, when we get back, we'll talk with Steve Russian. Steve Russian will be in town on Friday night. 
I, and will be the uh, the guest speaker at the sports shirt stag at Nativity of Our Lord a Catholic Church in St. Paul. One of the biggest parishes ever, and this sports shirt stag has been going on forever. Steve, I think uh, appearing at this gets you out of your uh, Sunday mass duty, too, so that'll be good. <laughs> Not only one of the biggest parishes, but one of the biggest nativity parishes in the Twin Cities. <laughs> I went to nativity in Bloomington as a kid. Yes, and uh, this this play, I've been to a couple of these, and they uh, they have a good old time. So you're heading on into town. You wrote a great piece after the miracle uh, victory, Stefan Diggs, about how joyful your uh, relatives were back in Minnesota. Uh, what was the reaction this Sunday, this past Sunday evening? Well, uh, Alan Greenspan's phrase, irrational exuberance. Do you remember that about yeah. the stock market, the yes. housing market? I think we were feeling irrationally exuberant the week before, and um, the texts the following week um, were more along the lines of, Pretty Woman is on TNT now, I'm pushing <laughs> over. Uh, my dad, at least I can go to bed now. My brother, uh, at least we know the result and I can move on mentally. Uh, so even myself, I must admit, uh, sometime in the first quarter while pricing Delta flights to NSP from Connecticut where I live, fearing, you know, with, with the Patriots now suddenly blocked in that some New Englanders might be flying out of here to Minnesota, um, I was able to unbookmark that uh, relatively shortly after. So I won't be coming for the Super Bowl you you are coming in. Uh, when are you coming no, in? I'm, I'm I'm coming in. I'm coming in Friday, Friday. for, the, for okay. the for the nativity event. I will not be staying. Um, okay, you're I, I, was, I was possibly going to come in the following week if the Vikings were in, only because people were telling me that I would regret it 25 years down the line if I weren't in state as the Vikings were playing in the Super Bowl. We may never see this again. Of course, that was a super that that Super Bowl we will never see. We will never see. And uh, I have on my desk here uh, a ceramic tankard. Uh, Super Bowl Eleven, Pasadena, California, January 9th, 1977, with the Raiders and Vikings helmets clashing on it. Uh, who, who would have thought that that will be the last uh, emblem in my lifetime uh, of the Vikings, the last memento of the Vikings of the Super Bowl? Uh, there's a very good chance of that now. I'm telling uh, some of my coworkers, uh, my coworker here, Reavers, who's got a two-year-old, to just sit down and explain to that kid he's never going to see the Vikings in the Super Bowl. If you can't oh. make it this time, you're never going to make it because the feeling here was everything bad that had ever happened was wiped out by the miracle touchdown, and then to turn around and throw up something like that was just incredible, well. Steve. I told people, throw up is the right word, I, I told people that, you know, one of two things will happen. There, there may be a, another disastrous end to the game, or they're going to or they're going to win. But I did not foresee another 41 Donut-style performance. And you would think, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 50 times, shame on me. But um, I had I had kind of... Opened myself up. I let myself love again. I, uh, you know, the Johnny Cash, Trent Reznor. Um, uh, I, felt, uh, I hurt myself today to see if I could feel. I, I learned that I, I do still feel, apparently. I mean, this stuff never goes away. It's in your DNA from growing up in Bloomington, and the Vikings were playing there when I was a kid. And, um, you know, that preceded being a sports writer and kind of getting grizzled and, and uh, unfeeling. So uh, it was interesting, at least, to see all that come back and uh, and you know know that I could that I could feel again, if only if only it were pain. 
Steve, you grew up not far away from Herbeck in uh, Bloomington and uh, the the World Series wins, but uh, there's something about the Vikings in this town. The reaction last week before this game was as crazed as I've ever seen it around here, as I've ever felt it around here, that uh, the Viking greatness, the mystique, uh, the, the great... A uh, bond that goes back to the Bud Grant glory years when we thought this guy was the greatest guy that ever lived came roaring back, and it was incredible <laughs> around here how they were going to just, just the, the everything was faded with the Super Bowl here, and it was going to happen. And then uh, this is as good a kick, a shin, kick in the shins as they've ever had, I think. It, it really is. I, a wise man told me just after or possibly during the 1991 World Series. I'm talking about you, that uh, as the Twins were uh, offering this greatest moment in, in Minnesota sports history, you were still getting calls on the radio about the Vikings' backup quarterback situation. <laughs> and that this is a football state, you know. It had become a, a baseball state, you know, during that time. It was, it was such an electrifying time. But, um, you know, given the, the, the painful history, and the kind of you know the Charlie Brown always removing the foot, obviously having the football removed just when he thinks this is the, this is the year. Um, it's amazing that that has sustained itself this long. And part of me wondered, and I'm sure you've asked this question yourself, if anything would be lost should the Vikings have won the Super Bowl. You know, the Cubs won the World yes. Series, and it feels almost like they don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I my kids, my oldest was born in 2004 here in New England, and to my four kids, they think that the Red Sox have been a, a dynasty all their lives. And they have no idea that they stunk for 86 years. And, um, you know, maybe there will be a generation of Minnesotans who will grow up with that also. We can always imagine. Steve, you went off to Marquette and uh, landed a job at uh, Sports Illustrated almost immediately. When is the last time you lived amongst us here in uh, Minnesota? Um, I lived there amongst you in the, in the mid-'90s. I was constantly on the road, so I, um, you know, it, it was a nomadic existence in those years. But um, I get back all the time. I, I we come back every summer over the Fourth of July. My family is, is still either there or in Chicago. Um, and uh, you know, I always say my dad and my sister defected from Bloomington to Edina, but I, I still get back to, uh, to to the Twin Cities. And um, you know, I had a book come out that. Uh, Somebody sent me. My sister sent me a picture. It was on on uh, a shelf in, in at a bookstore in Edina that said under the heading "What Edina is Reading," and I and I, I texted my sister back and said, "I, I finally made it." I went <laughs> under the heading of "What Edina." Who, what Bloomington kid could have ever dreamt that day? So. Um, so I, I, we always go back and, and love it there. I was going to mention that, that, of course, the book, I, I, the Minnesota is so much of, for, you know, various times through your writing, we've been able to see what Minnesota means to you. But, of course, never more so than with your current book, Stingray Afternoons, a memoir, which is a wonderful uh, uh, retelling of your days in Bloomington in the 1970s as a youth growing up. Yeah, you know, uh, I grew up in Bloomington not realizing as a kid that, um, you know, I had to see the rest of the world to realize that I was growing up in, you know, such a great place at such a great time. Um, you know, as a child, you just you just sent out into the world and told not to come back until uh, supper time. And, 
you know, at 13 and what had to have been a huge OSHA violation to get a job at that stadium. And, you know, it was like a Willy Wonka factory for, for, for sports where, you know, here's a pile of broken bats and here are our batting practice balls going into the stands and, you know, the stadium's not open to the public yet, but you're in there. And, and all that stuff clearly uh, made me want to be a sports writer. And I thought, God, if you could hang out in the stadium like this all day and get paid for it, and I was making three ten an hour minimum wage. Wow. there'd be nothing better in the world. Yeah, so uh, plus you got um, to work well, for you got to work in the department of one of the great men in American history, Jimmy Robertson, with the bad well, hat, exactly, man, one I, of the exactly. great characters of all time. Absolutely, Mike Robertson was my boss, and uh, and you know Calvin R. Griffith signed the paychecks, <laughs> and uh, I had a little embossed card that I was an employee of the Minnesota Twins baseball club, and. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it was, you kidding, making the big leagues at age 13. I knew, all of us knew, working in the commissary that made the food that the vendors sold, that it was never going to get any better than that. And we were right. How could it? But, uh, but, uh, you know, my God, you know, what a, what a, what a job. And, and, um, you know, uh, all of that feeds into today when 40 years later, when, uh, you know, watching the Vikings, I always say these, the twins were my first employer my first real job, so um, it's hard for that to kind of get out of your system even 40 years later. Steve, I had a great uh, Calvin Griffith uh, flashback. Of course, I covered him in the 70s, which was a hoot every day. But uh, I was talking to this young 31-year-old uh, man who is now employed in the Twins baseball operation, Daniel Adler. And Daniel has a, uh, a, uh, a law degree a master's in business and a a bachelor's in commerce from Harvard. He's got, he's got all three of these degrees and this was at the baseball organization meetings in uh, Fort Myers. And I was thinking that the, the Calvin's baseball organization meetings were his birthday party in December when he had a big dinner. It's, it is amazing what has happened to the, the game. And yet, with all those degrees and all that education, where did he dream of working? Yes. In baseball. You could have told him that there was a shortcut. You stab Schweigert hot dogs <laughs> with a metal fork, and you're in for life. That's right. And by the way, after years of drifting away, they are back to Schweigert's hot dogs at the uh, target field. So, well, that, well, that is uh, good. that's like a, that's like a um, olfactory reflex of memory for me when I walk into the ballpark. Uh, you know, I was at. I think it was the uh, Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia was the first park that I'd been to on its first day of existence. It was actually the second day for the second Phillies game there. And I walked in, and it smelled exactly like like that concrete and Lysol and uncooked hot dogs. And I mean, it's it's uncanny. And that that, that always just takes me right back to being 13 years old whenever I walk into into a ballpark like that. Steve Russian's with us for about another minute or two. Hey, Steve. Uh... Tom Brady's mother, as I'm sure you are aware, is from Browerville, Minnesota. I heard he and we, describes himself as part Minnesota. And we have a stream of reporters heading out into the hinterlands from all over the country to uh, track down her relatives in uh, Browerville, Minnesota. And uh, people will love these quaint Minnesota St- the reporters will love it. I don't know about the readers will, but the reporters will love it. I think Browerville's got 750 people or something, and it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a vintage Minnesota story right there. 
But is there is there photographic evidence of Brady having been in Minnesota ice no. fishing and the other stuff that he claims? I'll find just, out. I, 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 think, like a, I think he might be exaggerating. I don't know. Just a grainy Bigfoot-like photo of him doing something, you know, maybe writing a personal check at Holiday for a dollar eighty-five of milk or something, you know, to yes. prove that he really is part of Minnesota. And I want to see that uh, milk in a cow or something. All right, Steve. Well, uh, good luck at the uh, Nativity uh, Stag. I I had the uh, honor of uh, of doing that many years ago, and my partner had more beer in him than I did, and it was quite a hoot. I'll tell you that. Well, a tough crowd, I'm sure, but um, I'm glad you softened them up for. Okay, sir. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Patrick. All right, uh, Steve Russian, uh, one of the one of the great wordsmiths in sports writing, and got hired by SI right out of Marquette. Wow. He was an intern, and then they put him on the payroll when he graduated from Marquette. You're right. You're right That's too. How good he was. Stingray Afternoons is a phenomenal read. Yep, it's if you're uh, it's a little past your time. Mm-hmm. You can learn about the '70s, but it's a great book. All right, we shall return. This is the ride with Racy. The uh, voters, uh, the number of voters for the Hall of Fame among the Baseball Writers Association of America was trimmed down uh, a couple of years ago uh, based on the fact that people were no longer, once you previously, if you had been a 10-year member, you had a vote for eternity, uh, they changed that so you still had to be covering them, to some degree still had to be covering the sport. Uh, that has made the voting a little uh, more generous because there were a lot of old timers who felt like uh, a getting in the first year was some special honor B uh, designated hitters. There was a prejudice against them. So anyway, today the results are in once again, four more hall of famers voted in today. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Chipper Jones on his first year, easy, breezed in. Jim Tomey in his first year, easy, breezed in. And reliever Trevor Hoffman, uh, who was more on the edge than the other three, he made it. Edgar Martinez, who was as low as 27% only a couple of years ago, they changed the voting, a lot of momentum for Edgar. Edgar ended up at 71%. I voted for him for the first time, mostly from what Tom Kelly had to say about him when he talked about him a couple of times this year, how he'd rather have his team face Ken Griffey than Edgar Martinez. That's high praise. So I uh, I, kind of said, okay, you know, I I always loved him as a hitter. I just didn't think the numbers were... Quite good enough, and it's yeah. When he's just a kinda, DH, well, he yeah. kind of started in the mid. He was in his mid twenties too when he started. Mm-hmm. You know, he did most of his production in his, his in his in his thirties. But I voted for him. He ended up at seventy one percent. He's got one year left. He got grandfather. They've changed it now to ten years on the baseball writers ballot, and then you move to one of the veterans committees. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he got grandfathered in as one of the fifteen year guys. And he's got his last shot to make it on the BBWAA ballot next year. He's he'll he'll year probably left. make it next year since he's so nobody close, right? Has, nobody has been between 70 and 74 and not made it the next year that was 
still on the ballot. So really quick, did the percentage of votes for Clemens and Bonds go up, down, stay the same? I, I'm going to have to look, but I think it was going down by the Ooh. early one. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, Johan falls off the ballot. He only got 2.5%. You need 5% to stay on the ballot. I voted for him just to keep him on the ballot. I knew he wasn't going to make it as a Hall of Famer. All righty. Uh, we will, uh, you guys will do this again tomorrow, and I'll see you later. 1500 ESPN presents 52 Super Stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. The idea that the Minnesota Vikings are a jinxed franchise has never been stronger than it is this week after the events in Philadelphia on Sunday. Of course, when people try to make the case for this being a jinxed franchise, they go back to the four Super Bowl losses. Unfortunately, folks, they had the misfortune of playing some fantastic AFL-AFC teams in those four Super Bowl losses. So let's review the four defeats. The 1970 Super Bowl, they lost as 12-point favorites to the Kansas City Chiefs. There is no reason that the Kansas City Chiefs were 12-point underdogs to the Vikings. They had Lenny Dawson, Curly Culp, Buck Buchanan, Bobby Bell, Willie Lanier, Emmett Thomas, Jan Stenerud, seven Hall of Famers, and then you go back four years later. It's the Miami Dolphins, ladies and gentlemen. They went unbeaten the previous season. Bob Greasy, Larry Saka, Paul Warfield, Jim Langer, Larry Little, Nick Conte, all Hall of Famers. The Dolphins uh, hand the ball to Larry Saka about 20 times in a row. They had two 10-play touchdown drives in the first half. You know how many passes Bob Greasy was forced to throw in that game? Seven. Saka, touchdown. A methodical, beautifully executed drive. Saka ran it 33 times for 145 yards. It was a mismatch. By the way, uh, one thing, the Vikings never led in a Super Bowl game, okay? Four Super Bowls. Now, 1974 was probably their best chance to win a Super Bowl. They were playing the Steelers, but the Steelers were not fully formed. And it was a 2-0 game at halftime. Roy Gorella kicked off for the Steelers, slipped, kicked a line drive. It bounced off Bill Brown. The Steelers recovered and went in for a touchdown Franco Harris, nine-yard run. That ball was not kicked the way he was trying to kick it. Boom, boom, Brown. This bucket's the handle on it. They're great for the Steelers to open the second half. By the way, uh, Hall of Famers, Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Joe Green, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Mel Blunt, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster. They were rookies. Just a fantastic team, and they got better and better. And finally, the 1976 game against the Oakland Raiders. Kenny Stabler, Fred Belitnikoff, Dave Casper, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Ted Hendricks, Willie Brown, and Ray Guy was the punter. The Vikings actually blocked a Ray Guy punt in that game. Fred McNeil recovered it at the three. Here's Guy with a low snap, and he got it! he's ever had blocked. Their 16th block kick of the season. And then famously, uh, Brett McClanahan fumbled on the second play. The Raiders uh, went down, kicked a field goal, and uh, they took over from there. It was 26-7 uh, to in the fourth quarter when Willie Brown picked off a 75-yard interception from Fran Tarkington. But look at those clubs they lost to. There's no jinx here, ladies and gentlemen. They had the misfortune of playing some fantastic AFL-AFC teams in those four Super Bowl losses. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, sign up for the host committee email at mnsuperbowl.com. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Already? I'll be right there. It's happening. Take I-5 South. You are on the fastest route. Mom says, OMG, I'll let everyone go. You have arrived. Honey, I'm, I'm right here. She's doing great. We're almost there. She's perfect. Hey, baby girl. The whole world can't wait to meet you. Live larger with more coverage. Share your news, big and small, on AT&T, the network that now covers more than 99% of Oregonians. Visit your AT&T store to learn more. Coverage isn't available everywhere based on third-party data. 